Welcome to the UX Podcast, where we learn how to turn a rockstar business into a UX machine. UX introduces a simple formula for personal and business growth based around one principle. We can't solve big, valuable problems alone. Starting with this principle, UX equips and empowers us to pour ourselves into people and systems, scale authentically, and create a life of exponential freedom and impact. And now, let's get started with the latest episode of the UX Podcast. Hey, what's up, Rockstars? This is Matt Johnson back with another fantastic conversation here on the UX Podcast. We have Perry Nalevka. He is the CEO of Penguin Strategies. Uh, they are an agency. They're actually the fastest growing HubSpot agency. They hit diamond status in only 20 months. Uh, Perry actually started as a marketing consultant to the B2B tech space that he comes out of. He's got 20 plus you know, years of experience uh, in that space, former startup founder, kind of serial entrepreneur type, uh, and ended up uh, getting into the consulting part of it. And then that that led to starting an agency. Uh, what's interesting about Perry is that uh, he didn't even consider it an agency. I think for the first six to 12 months, they didn't even call it that. Uh, he just considered it a service company. And he set out, once he decided to scale up the service business, he decided, uh, I want to get to the point as quickly as possible where I'm not delivering a single billable hour in the business myself. In other words, get out of production, get out of the operation side so you can focus on sales and marketing. And we talk about the pain of scaling up and what it takes to get to that milestone really quickly. Perry talks about how you have to kind of fight your own instincts. You have to fight your instincts to uh, to raise your profitability by dipping in and running some of the operations yourself. You have to fight your instinct to micromanage your own people. And then we talk about how uh, his, well, I would consider his UX attributes. Um, so UX, UX um, is not just about skills, right? So the way that you maximize and leverage yourself through the vehicle of a company, I believe comes from um, a, a few things. So UX meaning your UX uh, can be your skills, your attributes, and your abilities, right? So we think a lot in terms of like skills and abilities of things that we can do, but what Perry talks about that drove a lot of their success wasn't necessarily skills because they had to kind of build those as, as, uh, as they came along and really jumped in and built a high level skill set along the way. What started to drive their success initially was the values and their, the attributes of just who Perry and his team, his initial founding team were, the transparency and the humility, um, the fact that they had a deep, deep knowledge and spoke the same language as the clients that they were then selling to because they were being pulled into the business by people asking them for help uh, from the industry that they were already a part of. We also talk about, uh, Perry shares the story of kind of how he uh, ended up getting into a second industry and making the very hard decision to cut them off from that and return to the core strategy of dealing with the one industry space where they really are passionate about. And so there were so many great things uh, in this conversation. Um, we talk a little bit about what defines success as a consultant um, and, and whether you have the right seat at the table with your client uh, and just the long-term, like how to build and scale, not for quick uh, like kind of fast food type growth, um, where it's it's like junk food growth, essentially, uh, what I would call, um, you know, like scaling for the long term, right? So building and scaling in such a way that you just don't just grow fast and then crash fast, but so that you build and scale in such a way that it, it's, it's this incredible, sustainable foundation, so that you it might take a little bit longer to scale up, but it lays a foundation for you to be in business longer and build really great long term relationships with both your clients and your 
own people internally. So you have this incredible foundation, right? This UX machine that just keeps spinning. It's a flywheel that just keeps spinning. So it takes a little bit more effort, a little bit more time up front, but the end result is much bigger uh, and much more sustainable, much more profitable. So if that's the kind of business that you would like to have, let's jump right into the conversation with Perry. I know you're going to get a ton out of it. So here is Perry Nalevka, CEO of Penguin Strategies. All right, Perry, officially welcome to the UX Podcast. Thanks for having me on. It's, a, it's an honor. I appreciate it. Uh, so give us kind of an idea of, of how this started. How did you get into being an agency? Because one of the things that we, we talked about before we hit record is that you, you didn't even consider yourself an agency at first. It took you a while to even call your company an agency. So how did that come to be? Yeah, I guess I could say it's one of the biggest, the best accidents I've had. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, after uh, my last real job, if you will, if I can call it that, um, I started a, an, I went off and started my own uh, startup. And uh, to keep myself afloat and pay the bills, I was doing consulting in, you know, in social media, social media business development and content. And um, once you know, once my uh, my startup idea, uh, I came to the realization that I will not have a product market fit there. Um, I made the decision to, to jump in full into this uh, this consultancy and, and create a business around it. And uh, that's what we did, January 2014, incorporated, and you know, haven't looked back. Yeah, and what's really cool about your your agency is that uh, you're you're kind of a full service agency, but not to everyone. So tell me a little bit about the specialty, like the, just the, how did you guys niche down to really come up with who you're going to serve and what stage of their business you're serving them at? Yeah, so me, me and the, uh, yeah, the other, uh, the, we, we started this uh, three of us uh, in January of that, of that year. We were three people kind of getting this off the ground. We all had, uh, my, myself, I've got 25 years of experience working at uh, B2B technology companies, specifically Companies that have complicated technology selling into large, uh, medium, but more to large enterprises, mm-hmm. and it's got its you know that unique set. And you know my partner is the same. I'm I'm coming from more of a sales and business development background. Um, one of them had a very strong content marketing uh, background. The other one had a marketing technology background. And together we um, we were forced to be reckoned with. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> okay. So and and you guys, you're the the stage of the business that you guys want to get involved in is kind of where you're taking their, their product to market and then getting them set up and positioning them and, help, and then helping them scale. So I want to talk about scaling a little bit. Um, what, why is it that like when you pick out your ideal clients, what is it about that phase that you guys really zeroed in on and that that's where you want to catch them and, and take them on as clients? Right. So typically, and this is, we, we, we deal with 60, 70% of our customers are startups that are at the point where they're ready to scale up, meaning they've got the product market fit, they've usually you know gotten a, a, a solid investment, and now they've uh, you know they have budgets to apply, and they need to they need to go fast. They need to get that scale quickly. Um, the other thirty percent are usually large companies that are in a similar position. They're launching new products, and you know they need help. So that's mm-hmm. kind of our mix. It, it's it's a daunting task um, as a startup. Uh, you know, you're a CEO of a startup and now, you know, you got the money, the investors are saying, okay, you told us, you you know, you're on this billion dollar business. We expect to see millions of dollars coming in tomorrow, (laughs) next year, you know, you you know, six months from now, a year from now, we need to know. And they, 
you know, the, they need to create an engine that can make that happen, something repeatable, not, you know, they can't wait for luck or, you know, just because they have the best technology, they will not come, you know, build it and they will come does not work. Yeah. Uh, and so they have the, they have to figure out what's the best way to do that. Well, they could go out and hire a full marketing team to do that, which is very expensive and it's high risk because you don't know if you're going to pick the right people, um, you know, and you need a, a real mix of, of, of expertise from branding and strategy and content and design. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, maybe you can hire one strong person, but you need help, especially at the beginning to get that flywheel going. Yeah. And that's where, you know, that's the thing that we've done over and over again in our careers. And, you know, when we were, when we were in the first year of our business, we could rely on our careers to, to kind of convince people to give us the, their, their trust but I think now after five years with so many great case studies, um, we've, we've proven ourselves and that we just get called all the time. Um, and we will only work with these types of companies. We do get calls from other industries and saying, hey, sure. can you apply that to us and whatnot. Um, but that's where our passion is. It's not, not so much about, it's, it's about business, but it's also about the passion. And I think that that's really what, uh, what drives it. Yeah, and that's what's really interesting. So it, it takes a lot of discipline to to really turn down those opportunities from from other industries. Um, now you guys are in a really good position where you know the startup tech community is not going anywhere. You don't have to worry about that necessarily that that industry drying up or something like that to where you have to like hedge your bets. So you can go all in on this and know there's always going to be a market for you guys, which is which is awesome. Not everybody's in that same position, so it's a little bit easier, I think, for you guys to be disciplined and focused because there there seems to be a lot of opportunity in that in that space. And from from what I understand, from what we talked about before, that really comes out of your your own skill set. You talked about the careers of the people that that were on the team to begin with, but what is it? What is it that you think that's that's part of your skill set and your partner's skill set that still like infuses throughout the team, even though you're up to like almost thirty people now? Uh, is there any any one or two key skills that you felt like really helped you guys get started and now kind of everybody else learn from and runs with? Yeah, I, I think that there's, uh, we have, a, I won't go into all of our core values, but I think there's two key ones um, that'll, that, get, that got us here. One yeah. is transparency. Um, okay. You know, with, internally with our, with our employees, between ourselves and, and with our customers. This allows anybody in the company to say what they what's on their mind, and not have not not to worry, and the opposite. We share you know everything from the financials, the good, the bad. You know what's coming up, what's not coming up, mm -hmm. and, and and so that's been really really key, and that allows us to really solve issues and not you know not get stuck on on politics or any other things, and that's really really important. Okay. The second, transparency. The second is is a humbleness. I think that that you know that that that's. When sometimes you think about humbleness, you think people like they don't know what they're worth. It, it, the people that know what they're worth realize, you know, the more you know, the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. And that's really what's been driving me, and I think the rest of the, the rest of the team as well, is you know, we, I thought I knew how to manage a company. I've been, I've seen all the mistakes made through all the startups that have failed by my, you know, by me, by other teams, um, and the successes as well. And and I thought I knew what you knew enough to run, you know, run this agency. But there was a, you know, there was one key element that I'd never, I never, you know, I'd never done before, and that's run a services business. I'd run products, <laughs> I'd sold products, but I'd never sold services, and and it's so much different. It's not, you know, you could sell, 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 and the company could could be working twenty four seven, and you cannot run, you might not be turning a profit if you don't, you know, manage it properly. So going in and continuing and educating yourself um, has been 
every step of the way, there's just always, you think you, you, you get to the next level of scale and you think, ah, oh, I got it. And then the next round of problems show up. <laughs> right. And, and yes. it's not, you're, you know, not, you're never big enough to ask for help from anybody. And it's, it's just, that's been my, you know, in my first year of, of, of being an agency and the, the, you can ask tons of agency. I read, I reached, I probably reached out to a hundred different agency owners um, mm. that, that I didn't know. And, you know, some of them, you know, let me have these types of conversations and I, and I continue to learn from that. And I, I continue to have those types of conversations, both with companies that I want to learn from and those that reach out to me, I, you know, that to me is to give back. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, that's that's part of why I do this podcast is I get to talk to uh, other amazing agency owners and and learn from their experience. So I couldn't agree more. Uh, I should have done it. If there's any regret I have about the podcast itself, it's just that I didn't start it a year sooner uh, and have these convers- kinds of conversations a year ago. So so take me back to kind of the moment when you decided to really go all in on the services business. Uh, what did that look like? And and what was what was the decision that you made on how to, like how to get to that first milestone of actually what, what, you know, what it meant to be successful running a service business versus a startup? Well, the first thing wasn't, wasn't relative to the services business, but one of the things I noticed in a lot of the failed companies that I, that I'd worked with, um, wasn't that they were, you know, people weren't stupid or they weren't mean or they weren't, you know, they didn't know what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the management, um, were, were, were too busy working in the business. So, and, and also a lot of micromanagement. And I knew that that was something we needed to overcome. And it, it's, it's, you have to fight against every internal instinct because your instinct is always follow up. Uh, you, you give something to somebody to do. You, you know, did they do it? Did they not do it? So that was one thing. This, mm-hmm. But more importantly was to get to the, the first milestone to me was get to a point where I am working on the business and not in the business, meaning in, in clear services language that I am not delivering one billable hour uh, to the company. And that means I'm a, you know, I'm a weight to the business. Business to make enough money that it can pay me my salary, but I don't have to deliver one billable hour, and that that is to me a, the first milestone that we hit to, so that we could scale up. Yeah, and you said did that come in six months a year? It took yeah, it took the better part of the six months, the first six months of the, of, of 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 the company, and it and it was very hard. I mean, it hit you know went, it hits it hits the bottom line, right? Um, and yeah. That, well, what, what was the pain? Was it the pain of because uh, if you, I mean, if you're good at the business development and the sales, and you said you'd like the the company was, I mean, you decided to go that direction because you're getting the inbound request. So in other words, people were asking you to start a business. Basically, there there were there was a demand yeah. on you. So the sales, the you had the sales opportunities there. Um, so was it the struggle to hire the right people to deliver the service that you could have just delivered yourself, but it would have slowed things down? Was it like was it the pain of hiring, training, onboarding? It it it. It was that, it's also that instinct that you say, well, you know, I want to, I want the company to be more profitable. So, you know, that, that project, why don't I just manage this one project instead of hiring the next guy? You're at the first, you know, you're six or seven people. You're, you're not, you know, you don't have that much bandwidth within those, those people. And then you get that next big project and you, you know that they can't handle it. Yeah. Um, and so you say, you know what, I'll just take this one until we, we get enough business to hire the next guy fighting against that instinct is, is, is hard. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's, that's really the, uh, really what the, the challenge. So, so did you, um, did you just put your back up against the wall where you basically decided, okay, from this point on, I'm not delivering a single billable hour and people are going to have to figure it out. And I'm going to just support, like try to get a project manager in place to replace me as quickly as possible. Just get that person up to speed fast. 
I mean, yeah. I mean, that's. Um, I mean, I, in when I was uh, customer facing, um, I was less on the project management. I was more on the strategy side. Companies wanted mm-hmm. me to come in and help them figure out how to sell things, which wasn't really the direction I wanted to take the agency, anyways. But they were willing to pay a lot of money for that. I mean, I remember mm-hmm. in their first. It, one of the, the one of the last deals that I worked on, or one of the guys' customers, um, they wanted to pay me a lot of money to help them figure out if their service was good for the telecom industry. And the project was, you know, Mobile World Congress was coming up. Set us up like twenty meetings, and we'll meet with all these, you know, telco ex- executives, and we'll figure it out together. It wasn't even our main business, but they were willing to pay so much money to do it. I said yes, mm-hmm. and so for three months I worked you know, half of my, half of my hours was went to working on this very, you know, this very important customer because they're paying us a lot of money. But what the end result was that I came out of that, I came back from the conference, finished the project, the pipeline was weak. Yeah. Nobody worked on it. Right. So that, you know, that was the aha moment as well. It said, okay, that's it done. Um, that money is going to carry us over now. <laughs> I'm not going back to do that again. And, and yeah. not because I didn't get any more requests like that. It's just that that was not the right way to scale the business. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Cause that's, I think there's a lot of folks that are listening and, and me included, um, you know, after like, I've given a, a lot of thought to the direction that I want to take the agency and how much we sell strategy versus execution or implementation. And, and, you know, it's easy to go back and forth. And I, I tend to be more on the services side. I mean, one of my, one of my skill sets is just relentless week in week out execution, just maintaining quality and leading people. So I, I want to lean heavily on that. Um, so what, what do you, when you think of an agency, like, how do you think of it in terms of like, do you want, you know, what are the downsides of going heavy on implementation versus just selling your, just renting your brain essentially and just selling strategy all the time? Cause it, it sounds like you can do both. You have both skill sets. You have the opportunities for both. Why did you decide execution versus just selling strategy and letting somebody just rent your brain? So no, so what, let's, let's, let's put it right this. So the, the the company or Penguin still sells renter a lot of renter brain, meaning we do a ton of strategy work. I oh, have okay. people much smarter than me um, <laughs> at providing those that, that strategy. Okay. I'm not a you know I'm not a marketing strategist. I'm not a content strategist. I don't mm-hmm. I don't have like the, the marketing the real you know that's that's just not who I was or, or I am. I can I can do it, um, but it's not you know it's definitely not the customer will get will get a lot better value out of one of my partners or one of the strategists mm-hmm. we've hired. And that, that, cause that's, that's, that's high value. When you, when you think about what an agency has to, you know, if you think about the assets you really have, it's not your capability of building a, a great website or, or doing good SEO or all of the, all of the above. It's the relationship you have with your customer and the, the seats you have at the table, not with, it's not if you have it's it's which seat you have at the table. So if a customer comes to you at the end of the year, meaning not to me personally, but to, to the team that they're working with, with the strategist, the, the, the marketing consultant that's in front of them and says, hey, I'm working on my budget for next year and I'd like your, your take on it, you hit it big. That's, that's the relationship you want to get to. Really good. Um, you know, the next level down is they're, they're, they rely on you to, to come up with the, the ideas that they're not, we, 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 you know, we've created, our business model isn't, um, this is what you're going to get every month. No, this is the budget you're you're spending every month. Every month's going to look differently. We're going to we want them to rely on us to come up with the best way to spend that budget on a monthly basis. Which mix of services will bring them the best result? And that's you know that establishing that trust in the first six to twelve months 
you know, from there on, I always tell my, what other agencies call account managers, we call them marketing consultants. Their mm-hmm. job is not to do upsell. It goes again against every fiber of your being. Your job is not to do upsell. Your job is to create that relationship, to create that trust. Mm-hmm. The upsell will come from them. And it does. It, it, mm-hmm. it, 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 it may come slower, but the, it, it comes and it comes naturally. And your, the relationships with the customers last longer because that's your asset. The longer you stay with a customer, the more profitable you, with, you are with them. You know, no matter how much you charge in the first six months, the first six months are very iffy. Uh, you have to spend a lot on learning what they do if you do, if you do your job properly, yeah. uh, getting things onboarded. It's, it's, it's very heavy lifting, and as much as you charge, it's expensive. Once you've got it and the machine is working and they're still spending the same amount of money with you, it, it costs you a lot less to deliver. Um, and so that long-term relationship is, trumps everything else. So even if you think about SaaS companies, they think the same way. They don't. They do look at the upsell and they do look, but they're they're measuring um, the longevity of a client more than anything because it costs you so much to bring them in. You know, the longer they stay with you, that's the way it's going to be profitable. If you have to replace your your customer base every month because you're losing a customer every month, um, so I look at you know I look at the company almost like a SaaS business in the same way. And we, if you go to our website, we have a pricing page. We kind of built it to kind of feel like a SaaS company as well. Yeah, that's interesting. Which which for the clients that you're selling to makes them feel like it even more drives that point home that, Hey, we speak your language. We're the same. We're the same people. Like we get you. Yeah. I actually love that. All right. So I've got one final question for you. Uh, before we jump into that, uh, where can people go to learn more about penguin and, and especially, uh, if they have a referral for you kind of in that B2B tech space. First they can go onto penguinstrategies.com spelled one, you know, spelled like it sounds. Um, Anybody can reach out to me. I'm very, uh, very open to, to either on LinkedIn or just email me at Perry, P-E-R-R-Y, at penguinstrategies.com. So there, there's, there's your two uh, entry points. Well, let's finish out with this. Um, let's talk for a second about scale. So f- from what you've learned from both helping clients and from scaling up your own service business, which I, I know are two very different things, but um, what do you feel like if people would, um, you see all the mistakes that people make with scale? What do you feel like are the one or two things that jump out to you that if you had known them in advance, if you'd have done things a little bit differently, you maybe could have scaled up Penguin faster? So I think that, that I mentioned uh, before, I, uh, I th- the, the longevity of, 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 of a relationship is, is, is the key factor. So I think both our customers and ourselves to, to build things for longer term thinking. It, it, goes into, mm-hmm. it goes into almost everything you think about. If you think about your, your marketing spend, when you spend media budget like ppc and paid media yeah. you're looking at short-term gains long-term losses right because as soon as you turn that faucet off those leads will stop coming yeah. if you build the infrastructure properly it might take a little longer but you're building a, a flywheel that will continue to deliver mm-hmm. so you know that's and if you take that example and then you want to do the same thing to your customers you want to invest in them in the right way so that they stay with you for the long term same same thing for scale but the most important part and I, and I don't remember who said this so I, I apologize but it it's it's take care you know I think when you say about what you, you say take care of your people uh, your customers and then the, and then the money and I think in that order the people are are super important because if you have a if you have churning employees that that takes your costs way up high and f- I think if mm-hmm. someone had told me something five years ago is to figure out how to do that better. Um, we've been good at figuring out how to, to create really good relationships with our customers and we've been doing better and better every year. 
on the employee side, but there's still a lot to, to go there. Um, you know, going from 20 to 30 people, it's very easy to lose sight of, you know, that every person counts. You invest so much to hire them. We have a very, you know, a very thorough hiring process, you know, and the longer you keep them and, you know, in this, in this day and age, staying a long time at one place is, is, uh, is almost unheard of yeah. finding ways to, to keep those people. That is, you know, that is a key to scale. And, you know, and I think it's the, one of the reasons agencies have a problem with it is because they, they hire as they need them. And then you keep throwing people off the deep end. So as hard as it is, because I mentioned, you know, this, you, know mm-hmm. we're, we're, you have you have the cash flow to, to manage, mm-hmm. is hiring ahead of uh, ahead of need, and that's easier said than done. Yeah. Um, is is something we've definitely learned the hard way, and we're doing a lot better at. Yeah. So it's not just that, like, you feel like if you would have made those things, you know, different that Penguin could have scaled faster necessarily, but it, it would have, you, it, you felt like it would have laid maybe a better foundation to scale a little bit more easier. Yep. Yeah. Makes sense. I'll say one more thing, and that's staying true to your strategy. You, you mentioned before about, you know, that we focus on the B2B tech space yeah. from the first day until today. We've absolutely focused on that at 100%. We did you know, about two years ago, take a, take a right turn at a shiny object when it <laughs> broke down and let companies from another industry come in, come on board. And we, we did close a lot of deals in that industry and thought, oh, we'll open up a second industry. Um, and we were successful. The customers liked us. They wanted to stay with us. But after two years uh, working in this other industry, um, we realized that our employees were not happy. Again, back to that, our employees were not happy because they came on board to work with technology companies. All of a sudden, they're working with low-tech uh, companies. Um, the, the profitability on those co- customers, although they were happy because we were giving them results, was much, much lower, almost at, at break-even. Because, oh. yeah, it, because of the, I, I, I think it's because of the, the lack of passion that we had within those. So things either got pushed off. We, we didn't have the processes we were working in the technology industry were not the same that need were needed in the low tech. Mm-hmm. Your pricing was off. So I had a decision that I had to make at the beginning of last year uh, was to reinvent uh, the wheel for that industry. Um, but the decision I made was to cut it off. I had to, the hard job of informing uh, four or five customers that we were going to part ways. And it was not an easy discussion to have and, and, and part ways with a, a pretty big chunk of revenue uh, as well. Hmm. So, you know, someone had, if I, if I, you know, sometimes you have to make the mistake to learn it. Um, but it would have saved a lot of, uh, a lot of time and effort. Yeah. Love it. Well, Perry, this is a fantastic conversation, man. I, I really appreciate your time. This is great. Good. Thank you. <laughs> hey, Rockstars. Thank you so much. I appreciate you investing your time, your effort, your energy into the show. I don't take that lightly. I so appreciate uh, you all listening and the feedback that I get from those of you who listen and engage with the show. Uh, Whether you agree or disagree with the things we talk about, I love hearing from you, so please reach out. And if you are in the audience and you're a business coach, a consultant, or you're in creative services, and you're thinking about using guest appearances on podcasts and interviews to boost your business, grow your brand, build more influence and attract ideal clients, or maybe you're watching other people in your space do that and you're wondering if this strategy will work for you and how to make that work, I did a special training with a client, Dana Malstaff, uh, who runs the Boss Mom Podcast. We produce her show. And we did a training all about that. And it's called How to Get Featured on the Right Podcast 
fast and get your ideal clients flocking to you. And a few of the things that we covered in that training, it's, it's short, it's content packed, it's only about 35 minutes long. And we talked about how to get featured on podcasts in less than two hours a week, how to find the exact right podcast for you and make friends with those podcast hosts, how to become micro famous so you're known, liked and trusted in your space, and really how to, uh, how to craft a story hook uh, that really gets the attention of podcast hosts and gets them to say yes when you reach out and pitch yourself as a guest. And so we talk about all that and a bunch more in that training. So it's available at howtogetfeatured.com. That's howtogetfeatured.com. Pop your information in there. It's free and you get it in you know instant access to watch. You don't have to wait for a follow-up email. You don't have to wait for a fake webinar that's not actually live. None of that. It's a recorded training. You get instant access. So go check it out. I'd appreciate it. And I've said it before on previous episodes, this is my number one marketing strategy for myself for 2019. And I learned a lot of these things in the process of building the system for myself and my staff to pitch me as a expert guest on podcasts. And whenever somebody, whether it's one of my own clients or my friends and peers and colleagues in the space that we all run in, it's my number one recommendation for them to, to grow their brand, build their influence and attract ideal clients. So if that's you and you want more of that, go check that out. That's at howtogetfeatured.com. Thanks again so much. And we'll see you on the next episode of the UX podcast.